Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast that you're listening to right now, thank you so much, called Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. It is a daily podcast, 365 days a year, and each day we talk to an author about all of the things related to their career, their book, their life, and more in 30 minutes or less, because who has time? I am now an author myself, although I wasn't when I started this podcast, and you can get my new memoir, Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature, wherever books are sold starting July 1st, and my children's book, Princess Charming. You can learn more about me at zibbyowens.com, but really, you're here to learn more about the authors, and that is what we're going to do. Also, be sure to check out all the other podcasts in the Zcast Podcast Network. You can learn more at zcastnetwork.com. Dot com and definitely check out those shows as well. Also, just a quick note that submissions for the Zibby Awards are open and will close on September 15th. Go to zibbyowens.com and you will find the Zibby Awards open submissions where we celebrate all the under-celebrated parts of a book, like the best spine, the best author's note, the best table of contents. And authors can nominate their own best publicists, best editors, and so on. There will be an in-person award ceremony in October in New York. You will not want to miss it. Go to zibbyowens.com. Fran Hauser is the author of Embrace the Work, Love Your Career, a guided workbook for realizing your career goals with clarity, intention, and confidence. Fran is passionate about leveling the playing field for women. She does this through her investing, writing, and speaking. Fran has invested in over 30 female-founded companies across consumer tech, CPG, media, and publishing, and wellness. She is the best-selling author of The Myth of the Nice Girl, Achieving a Career You Love Without Becoming a Person You Hate, which has been translated into six languages and was named Best Business Book of the Year 2018 by Audible. Fran's new book, Embrace the Work, Love Your Career, is quickly becoming the go-to for women seeking more joy and fulfillment in their career. Fran regularly speaks at conferences and organizations to help women build careers they love while staying true to themselves. Much of her current work is informed by 15 years spent in media, where she rose through the ranks at Time Inc. to become president of digital. She lives outside of New York City with her husband and two sons, and I got to know Fran through the Copper Books Lunch. She and I are both investors in Copper Books, which was founded by Allie Trowbridge. 
Welcome, Fran. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss Embrace the Work, Love Your Career, a guided workbook for realizing your career goals with clarity, intention, and confidence. Hi, Zibby. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for being here. I should have worked on my to-don't list all last night because I love that concept. And I was like, oh, she's so right. I should go through my calendar and figure out what I could cancel and just say that I shouldn't do. And, but it's so hard to do that. So I don't know, that particular concept really resonated with me because I have trouble saying no. Why don't you tell listeners a little bit about the workbook and how it came to be? I know you tell the story in the book, but tell all of us and then (laughs) come back to the to-don't list and help all of us busy people figure out what not to do. I know. That's one of my favorite parts too. I have to be honest, the setting boundaries and saying no and So the inspiration for the book really came to me during the pandemic. You know, it was the middle of the pandemic. And I was reading all of these articles about how many millions of women were leaving the workforce and how many millions more were just questioning their career path and their purpose. And, you know, I think we've all been kind of going through a little bit of an existential crisis, right? We're questioning the meaning of of everything in our lives, and I, you know, realized that I was sitting on all of this content just from all of the mentoring that I've done and all of the talks that I've done. And, you know, I have all these exercises and tools and questions and writing prompts. And I thought, you know, it'd be really great to just kind of put that all into a book and, and make it more of a guided workbook, you know, as opposed to a 60,000 word narrative, you know, prescriptive book. So there's my, you know, my stories are in here. My failures are in here. So it's, it's very relatable, but there's also like all of the strategies and and the techniques and it's really interactive. It was important for me to make it interactive. I really wanted readers to feel like they're the authors of their careers, you know, and by going through this book, they're really crafting, whether it's reconnecting with their work or whether it's coming up with a whole new path you know, whatever's right for them. So that was really the inspiration for the book. And we actually got it done in a year, which is amazing. You know, from the time that I came up with the idea, I guess it was last February, um, it came out this March, which is incredible. So just, right, you know, this is your world. Like it's, so it makes me so happy. I just wanted to get it out into the world because I really feel like it's, women need this book. You know, it's just, it's the perfect time for it. So coming back to the to-don't list and saying no, there's a whole section in the book, as you know, on setting boundaries and really creating the time and space so that you can focus on the things that matter, so that you can focus on your goals when it comes to your career, when it comes to your life, right? When it comes to your world. And I know like as women, we just have, we have so much on on our plates And I have always been a people pleaser and it's always been really hard for me to say no. Like my knee-jerk reaction is always to say yes. And I've had to learn over the years, you know, especially when I got back to work after my first maternity leave, when I, I went back to Time Inc., you know, I was the president of digital. I had a really big job and I was feeling really vulnerable. You know, I was feeling like I had to say yes to everything to show that I could still do it all even though I had this baby, you know, that I had this baby at home and it wasn't working. It just, it really wasn't working. And 
I actually got an executive coach and we spent a lot of time just kind of working through like, okay, so what are the things that I really care about? And what are the priorities that I should be setting that are going to really help me move the needle at work and in my career mm-hmm. and being really clear about what those things are. Like what, what are those things that are going to move the needle and then really clearing my plate. And that's where the to don't list mm-hmm. came up. This was 12 years ago now, but the idea of like really looking at like, what are the things that are just not important right now? Mm-hmm. And it's just no for now. Like I could always come back to it. It's not no for forever. In a few months, it might make sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, like while I was writing this book, Zivi, one of the big things that went on my to-don't list was taking pitch meetings with entrepreneurs because mm-hmm. that's my day job. I invest in startups. And you know, entrepreneurs will reach out to me. They have an idea for a business. They have a pitch deck. They want to get my feedback. And I, I, I love doing that. And that, that's my job. But basically what I said was, look, you know, I'm I'm heads down writing this book. So for the next six weeks, I'm not going to be taking any pitch meetings. And you know, what's so nice about that? It's not a personal no, you know, it's like, I've made this decision. It's not about you. It's I've made this decision that I'm not going to be taking pitch meetings for the next six weeks. So, you know, just being really clear about what goes on your don't list. And then also not being afraid when you get that inbox request asking you to do something. Yep. Like I literally have to check in with myself because if I'm about to say yes, I have to ask myself, like, are you saying yes because you feel badly saying no? Mm-hmm. Or are you saying yes because this is something that's really aligned with your priorities or it's something that's going to bring you joy? Right. You know, so it's just really checking in with yourself and being intentional before you say yes. And you also give us oh, nice ways to, to say no as well, which I also, I mean, it seems obvious, but it's really not for people who tend to want to say yes to everything. So I loved how one adv- one thing you said was just saying like, thank you. Oh, wait here. How you can't attend the event. You have a little chart. Like I can't do that, but I can do this, you know, where you give. Yes. Like, I love that. Yes. I can't attend the event, but I'd be happy to promote it on social media. I love that. that was great. I can't participate on the committee, but I can introduce you to someone who, who might be able to. That was also great. I can't take the lead on running a project or event, but I can help brainstorm some ideas. I can't attend the entire meeting, but I can go for the mm-hmm. end. I mean, it's, these are <laughs> these are really good. And then how to say no kindly, which I also love this page. Thank you. My plate is full. Say no or offer a lower lift way to assist best wishes. (laughs) Two lines. You know how sometimes like when you're saying no, sometimes we feel like we have to write three or four paragraphs, like justifying why we're saying no. Um, And it's really just keep it short and sweet. And I always start by saying, thank you, not I'm sorry. Yeah. Right. Because our default is, I'm so sorry, I can't make it. Or I'm so sorry, I can't participate versus thank you for thinking of me. Mm -hmm. Thank you for the invitation, you know, and then I'm heads down working on whatever. So I won't be able to participate, but I'm, I'm rooting for you. I wish you the best short and sweet. And you know what, what else too? Like most people appreciate a fast no, as opposed to being strung along. True. Don't you like, if you reach out, I do, I would rather know, okay, you know what, this is not aligned with this person's priorities right now. So let me just move on. Yep. And by the way, this isn't just for work. This is also like, to the countless people who are recruited to be, you know, PA chairman or class mom or all these things. Like I keep talking to people who are like, well, I, I got myself into this because they asked and I couldn't say no. 
I'm like, but maybe could you have? I mean, maybe you couldn't have, or they just felt too bad, or the guilt of the kids. Yeah. Or, I don't know. I, I just feel like there's so many areas. It's not just professional. I agree. I mean, look, I I go there too. I do so much volunteer work, you know, at the schools, and I've definitely done less over the years. You know, like I remember when my when my oldest was in kindergarten. You know, I was so eager, and I, you know, just really wanted to become more entrenched, you know, in the community. So. But over the years, I've definitely done less and less. And I've also just been really strategic about like, where, where do, where does it make sense for me to spend my time? Like, for example, like I actually loved volunteering for the school store because it actually got me into the school Mm -hmm. and I was able to see my kids or the book fair because I love books. I did that too. I volunteered at the book fair. Fair, and then you're in the school. So I started doing less of the fundraising mm-hmm. stuff, which was more kind of like on my own time, not at school. It was more about the committee work and doing less of that and doing more of the things that got me in into the school. And that really weren't as heavy of a lift. Yep. Right. So just thinking through, like there are always, I'm always thinking about like, how can I turn something that would be like 10 hours of my time to 15 minutes of my time, mm-hmm. you know? Like, yeah. so sometimes it is an introduction. Sometimes, sometimes I have to say no to a speaking event, but I have so many people in my world who are looking for speaking opportunities. And it, it makes me feel so good to be able to offer those opportunities to others. Yep. Right. So I just, I, I love that. I feel like it's a, it's a win-win. So this is, if you have too much to do, which sorry, I honed in on, cause that is the moment in my life right now, but there have been other moments in my life where I have not had enough to do or wasn't sure which path to take. And I think a whole, another whole group of people are currently in that or have been coming off of being at home with the kids or their kids just went to college and they're like, now what? Right. There's so many moments. And I, I do feel like you said originally, there's this sort of groundswell, right? It's like, you know, when like a subway's coming or not that I've been on subway in a while, but like, you know, like if you feel the reverberations of the train before it's right there, I feel like that's the moment that we're in. There's like this whole, like women, so many women are just like in that moment where like, there's about to be this explosion of talent, like back on the scene in all these ways, because, well, I don't know. That's how I feel about it. Do you feel that, that, that same energy? I do. And I, I have a lot of women that are reaching out to me and they're, they're really, nervous and they're worried and they're, they're not quite sure what to do. And, you know, I, I always say to them, I think one of the best things to do when you're, when you're in that, that moment of like, of uncertainty and transition, or maybe you're feeling stuck is reach out to people, you know, grab a coffee, do a phone call, a zoom, whatever, let people know where you are and what you're thinking that you're thinking about your next chapter, because I find that when you're talking to people, like, especially if you're curious, you know, you learn a lot, you learn about some opportunities that might be out there that you never would have even thought of. And now you're also on their radar. You're in their head, right? So like, if I hear about an opportunity, I'll remember that, oh, my friend Trish, this could be like a great, a great fit for her. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really important to really get out there and talk to people, to not like sit in your home and and just worry and like, you know, kind of let it fester, but, but really like state what your intentions are. And if you're not exactly sure what they are, just let people into your world and just, just put it out there. You know, you got to like put it out into the universe. Yeah, I think that's probably one of the most important things that you can do. 
And this workbook too is super helpful. I mean, in helping people even figure out what they want to do, what they're good at, what they what they feel good about. Yeah, I love this minimum viable product. By the way, going back to to oh. donors, but yeah, so that that's really like because you know some of us, myself included, get into this like place of feeling like everything we do like it needs to be perfect mm-hmm. and. That was another kind of big awakening for me after coming back from maternity maternity leave was I realized that I was spending so much time like making even like internal reports look perfect. And it really didn't, it it just really didn't matter at the end of the day. It was really more about the content Mm -hmm. versus the, the form that the content was in. Or even like if I had a new business idea, I remember like I would put together a whole like PowerPoint to just go talk to my boss about it. And I just stopped doing it. Stop doing that. I would just go in and just say, Hey, I'm thinking about this. Here's why I think it's a good idea. What do you think? And if she liked the idea, then I would pull the team together and we would do more work. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I, so like the minimum viable product is a really important concept again at work and in life (laughs) in, in general. It's true. No, it's, it's true. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed, be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything. It might be time to work on those things, and I have a solution for you. Therapy. Online therapy by BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I took the brief questionnaire online where there were, I don't know, 20 questions. It didn't take long at all, maybe three minutes. And then I got matched with a therapist who could help me work on whatever. I picked trauma because even though it happened in 2001, I am somehow still not over the loss of my friend on 9-11. And it is what it is. BetterHelp is going to help. And I am so excited, especially because with my special code, instead of $80 a month, it is 10% off, $72 a month, which is so much less than traditional therapy, and you'll get a perfect therapist for you. There are 35,000 therapists to choose from, so you'll find the right one. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash moms don't have time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash moms don't have time. And then another, I know I'm jumping all over because you have so many great things in the book, but also management. And this is great communication, not just at work, but this is like for 
<laughs> for marriage or friends or whatever. Some of these questions where you're in a disagreement and you're like, tell me, can you tell me more? I want to make sure I'm understanding your perspective. That's really mm-hmm. good. When you're at a crossroads and need to make a decision, have you been in a situation like this before? How did you approach making your decision? And when you're looking for feedback, what else should I be considering? When you're asking about an experience a person had in the past, what were your biggest insights from going through that experience? Mm. This is great. I'm like interviewing a bunch of people anyway. So these are also great questions just to ask. Uh, Well, you know what it is too? I feel like when you leave, like when you have open-ended questions, you'll get so much more. It's true. And even like with the founders that, you know, that I've invested in, I always encourage them to not ask like, what would you do if you were me? Mm-hmm. But to really ask more about like, have you been in a situation like this before? Like, how mm-hmm. did you approach it? Like, what did you learn from it? You know, and and I think it's important, you know, to, to keep those questions more more open ended. You'll just learn more. You'll you'll get you'll get more insights. Yeah. And the whole thing about when you're disagreeing with someone, I just believe that it's so important to be respectful. You know, and even like as a leader, I've always tried to create a psychologically safe space for people. Mm-hmm. Right. And I would always say this to my team, like, look, it's great to disagree. Right. And let's get into a healthy debate about it because some yeah. of the best insights come out of that. But when we disagree, we do it respectfully. Mm-hmm. Right. And we, we always listen. We listen to, to understand, right. Mm-hmm. We listen with the intent to understand. And it's great to ask follow-up questions, but I just believe, you know, whether we're leaders in business or whether we're teachers, right? Like it's all about like creating that environment where people are comfortable speaking up, you know, where they're comfortable sharing their opinions and their points of view, where they feel like they're not going to be disrespected. Yeah. Um, so I, I just, I really believe that's so important for, for work, for school, for just our society, for culture yeah. in general. Wait, so Fran, I know about your amazing career and, you know, how you basically created people.com, People Magazine for Time Inc. and all these just amazing things that you've done. When you're investing now in women-owned businesses, and I know we've both invested in Copper Books, which is exciting. And I'm so you know, really so hopeful for everything that Allie is doing and that whole, um, you know, social network for mom, uh, for authors rather. When you are investing in a women-owned business, and you are meeting the founders. What are the what are the things you look for in a successful proposal, or or even in a in a woman you want to invest in? Like, what are the types of things that you feel like are hallmarks of success, or that interest you the most? Yeah, it's a great question, and you know, I, I really think it comes down to a few things. It comes down to the founder, the market, and the product. Okay. And each one of those are, are are really important, right? Like the founder, I really want to feel like they're personally invested in this, that it's something that they're really passionate about, whatever the pain point is that they're solving or the opportunity that they're capitalizing on. Like, I really want to feel like they're the right person. You know, they're the right person to approach this. I also really pay attention to how do I feel when I leave a meeting with the founder? Mm-hmm. Do I feel like I want to spend more time with them? Do I feel energized? Because, you know, when you invest in these, in these startups, it takes seven to 10 years for them to exit if they exit, right? If there, if there's a liquidation event where they IPO or, or they get acquired, 
That's how we make money as investors. So it's a long-term relationship with the founder. So I really want to feel like our values are aligned. Like this is somebody who I want to be spending time with in in helping them to to grow their business. And obviously there needs to be a market. I really, you know, I I need to feel like, okay, there's a clear pain point here. They're solving something, something big. And the product, you know, look, it goes back to MVP, minimum viable product. I know that the product might change. Yeah. It actually often does change, right? Like you, you come out with an MVP and then you get feedback and you, and you pivot. And so I want to feel like the founder is going to be okay with that. You know, that they're, that they're going to be adaptable and that they're not going to get, like, they're not going to dig their heels in because that's what happens sometimes. Like, you know, you have this idea and you're so entrenched in it, but you have to be willing to be flexible and, and to, to be able to adapt if you hear something different from your customer. So I really pay attention to all that. Look, I also, I do a lot of back channeling. You know, I, I, I look at LinkedIn. I looked at, you know, do we have, do we have mutual connections? Because it's not just about the resume and what they've accomplished. I want to know how, I want to know how they work. I want to understand their character, their integrity, their values. So all of that is really important. What are some companies I know you invested in or in movie phone, right? Didn't you? Isn't that? Oh my God. So I have to tell you, Zibby, do you remember movie film? Of course I do. That's why okay. I brought it up. Wasn't it 777 film? Yes. Yeah. So this was like, in the, so this was in the late nineties. The things I remember, I, it's like why that useful piece of information stayed in there. But it's so funny because when I'm talking to Gen Z or college students, they have no idea what I'm talking about oh when God. I bring up movie phone. But so I didn't invest in it, but I was, I was actually their SVP of, of finance. So I left Coca-Cola. I left like one of the world's most admired companies when I was <laughs> 27 to go work for 777 film when they were just about to launch like moviephone.com and they were going to put showtimes and ticketing online. And I just remember being so interested in it because first of all, I'm a huge movie buff. You know, I, I love the movies, but the internet was just getting started. Yep. So I really wanted to be a part of that. I mean, that was web 1.0, you know, and it was so amazing working there because, you know, after working at Coca-Cola, when you work for a big company, it's very like, I was, I was so focused on finance. That's, I was in financial reporting and that, so then I went to movie phone. And one of the biggest reasons I went was because it was an early stage, you know, company. And I really wanted to be able to roll up my sleeves mm-hmm. and learn other parts of the business because eventually I wanted to be a general manager. I wanted to like run the whole business. So that's what I got to do at movie phone. I got exposure to everything. It was so amazing. We ended up selling the company to AOL, mm-hmm. right? Like .com right. bubble. Yeah. So, and then the founders retired. They were like in their early thirties, they <laughs> retired and I ended up taking over, like I ran movie phone as a division of AOL. So that was my first general management job. Oh my God. Um, so it was really the beginning of my media career. And then from there I went to Time Inc and I was there for oh. 10 years. Oh, so wow. I know it, it, that was like, honestly, I remember, I remember the CFO at the Coca-Cola company, like the CFO in Atlanta calling me when he heard that I was leaving. He thought I was absolutely crazy. He had never heard of movie phone. It's like, what are you doing? Where are you going? Like you could be the CFO of the Coca-Cola company if you stay here. And it was one of those things that I think it took so much courage. It really did to make that move. But I'm just, I'm so glad I did because it changed the trajectory of my career in a big way. Wow. And then you ran 
it's just amazing. So by the time you launched people.com, you were in charge of that whole thing. People.com was one of the funnest parts of my career because, you know, it was me and my assistant, and there were a few people on the editorial side. And basically we had to convince the company and the the people, because People Magazine was like the most profitable business at timing by far, Mm -hmm. the world's largest magazine. So we basically had to convince everybody that we could also create a business out of people.com, that it wasn't just about pushing print subscriptions, which Mm -hmm. is what the website was doing at that time. And we ended up building this really big, it it ended up being the world's largest media website. It was bigger than the New York times.com. It was bigger than CNN. I mean, we were doing a billion monthly page views, like 40 million monthly unique visitors. And it ended up being one of the top 10 most profitable businesses at the company out of like 200 businesses. So for me, it was, it was a really big deal because it was a, it was a big win. Yeah. You know, and, and after that, they gave me in style and entertainment weekly and essence and people in Espanol and real oh simple. And like, you know, so like my job got so much bigger. But I but I have to tell you, Zibby, I'll never forget this moment where I was having lunch with our CEO with Ann Moore. Yeah. And I was telling her, like, my job got so much bigger, but it actually got less interesting and less fun because it felt so much more administrative. You know, I felt like I was like spending so much more time on like budgets and cost containment and like creating presentations for the board. I really missed being close to the consumer mm-hmm. and close to the brand, you know, and that was such a big, a big learning for me, you know, just sort of like be careful what you wish for. Yep. And that's why I, I encourage everyone, you know, you might love being an individual contributor, maybe, you know, Maybe that's your thing. Like not everybody wants to be a leader or a manager or like that, that could be a great path for you, you know? And sometimes we need to take a couple of steps back before we take a step forward. And, you know, it's the, your career, like, it's not this like ladder anymore. You know, my friend, Patty Sellers always says it could be more of a jungle gym. (laughs) You might go sideways, you might go backwards, right? But whatever works for you. And and that's why I think it's really important to tune into like, what are the parts of your current job that you really love? And is there a way that you can do more of that? You know, is there a way that you can lean, lean into that more? Interesting. By the way, and maybe we should schedule another time maybe to talk about this, but I'm launching this new content site, Moms Don't Have Time To, with uh, original essays and all these different categories. And I read in your acknowledgments that you worked with Kathleen Harris and I hired her to run the whole thing. Are you kidding me? No. She's one of my favorite people in the world. Yeah. She's amazing. She was the editor at realsimple.com when I was at Timing. So we worked together and she's been working with me on my personal platform, on my newsletter everything. She worked with me on Embrace the Work, Love Your Career. She's been working with me for the last five years. Oh my gosh, Zibby. Yeah, I know. I love her. She's freelancing with us for now to get the launch up and then finishing whatever else she has to do. And she's coming on full-time in Jan- in uh, the end of July. I could not be happier. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm so excited for you. So anyway, and I'm so I mean, excited to help you. I'm so excited to help yeah, you. I would way. love your advice. You're like such a guru Anything. in this whole space. Oh my space, gosh, so, um, I love it. Amazing. I'm so excited for you. Congratulations. Thank you. Okay. Well, more soon. We have so much more to talk about, but thank you for this book, um, which is so useful. I have like three people literally in mind who I'm going to give it to right away who are in this 
transition moment and will find it incredibly useful. But thank you for coming on the podcast. Um, and Libby, thank you. You're the best. Thank you for all that you do. Oh, you too. Take care. <laughs> okay. Bye, Bye friend. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 